Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started sampo is the founder and ceo at mass global limited in the interview sampo shared his journey of disrupting the mobility industry sampo envisions a future where freedom of mobility is preserved without the baggage of car ownership He candidly discusses the challenges of integrating diverse elements in the industry, highlighting the need for a mindset shift, and his approach revolves around trust, pushing boundaries, and then fostering a culture where individuals take responsibility. Beyond the boardroom, he is a father of four, a crime story enthusiast, and dreams of conquering cross-country skiing in Lapland. Hi, Sampo. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Ah, nice to be here. Thanks. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And before we get started, can you share a little bit of uh, an intro about yourself? What is it that you do? What keeps you busy? <laughs> yes. Um, so my name is Sampo Hietanen. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Mass Global, sometimes known from the app called Wim, which we do. And what we do is we're the First one to try out this concept called mobility as a service, mm. putting all the most transportation into one simple subscription. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a bit of uh, your backstory? How did you come to entrepreneurship, mobility as a service? What are the dots that are connecting to where you are today? Oh, that's a long story then. I'll try to make it short. Already a long time ago, I think it was 99 or some, somewhere around there. I'm a civil engineer from background and I was working for this civil engineering company, building and maintaining roads, probably because I was pretty bad at engineering. I had to come up with new mm. kind of stuff. So being somewhere in between IT, telecom and, and mobility I was there to create actually the world's first SMS based route information systems that were supposed to be really huge. People didn't like that UX, but that turned out to be um, traffic information, which is quite an okay business as such. Mm. And that kept me busy in this kind of new type of world. And 
somewhere 2006 came up also with the concept of mobility as a service, but it wasn't, it wasn't the time to actually make it happen, but it was something that's been keeping me busy all the time. I've been running businesses around this subject for, for quite a long time. And at the same time, it's been burning in the back of, back of my mind mm. and, uh, being from Finland, where I come from, uh, back in the days, it was, uh, all about Nokia and everything like that. So it was also yeah. a fruitful place to get these thoughts going. So there's mm. been a really active group from, uh, academia, business and authorities thinking about how the disruption within the field of mobility would happen. And that led to even the legislation and the whole kind of core of Finnish transport policy already more than 10 years ago started being around, yes, we need to enable mobility as a service, which then long story short led to a point that at some stage, this whole concept of mobility as a service started being at the lips of everyone within the industry somewhere 2014. And they were saying that, so you're mm. just talking about it. Are you ever going to do it? And made a wild thing of, okay, let's create a, let's create at least a, uh, a business plan. So try mm. to, that would work. That was 2015 with a lot of different parties in being involved. Mm. And uh, I remember one of the one of the executives of Transdev, a French giant for public transport, called me somewhere summer 2015 and said, Sample, okay, now instead of just making plans out of it, are, are you really going to do it? So we'll be one mm. of those, put some money into it if you dare to become the entrepreneur and go for it. And it was pretty hard to say no at that time. Mm. Yeah. And it, it can also be pretty hard to be an entrepreneur, right? That's why you have to dare to do it. Uh, can you share a bit more about uh, that journey? Like how has that unfolded given your initial expectations when you started? Yeah, I suppose when you really are trying to create something new into this world, it, it's hard to try to do it with or inside some something else right. because there has to be very or relatively strong, at least a vision of what we're aiming to do. And it, it does mean oftentimes that you have to have a Let's say a completely new setup for, especially for the concept of mass, it's been quite relieving. The field of mobility is humongous. We're talking 20% of household costs go into mobility. Car industry is big. All the other transport industries are, are humongous. And especially for this one, being disruptive in the hands of the consumer, hmm. it was quite relieving. And I, I thought of it this way, that you have to be able to think about what's in it for the actual user instead of thinking about what's in mm. it uh, for the core business. I, I have done startups within big corporates also, and I realized that at least to get started with this one, it doesn't work that way. So it has to be a fresh entity. And yeah, yeah. that being a founder of it. And you see a lot of these things where people say that, woohoo, it's all party and all this, mm. but try it out yourself. I have some background. I've been founding and running startups before. It yeah. was from a long time ago when I went into the first startup that I, I, I had been helping to found. And it was really early stage. And I before that, I was an executive in a big construction or civil engineering company. And I thought that now I'll have a bit more time for a family because I've been leading these. I've been running these big businesses and this is just a small mm. one. I can do it with my left hand easily so i'll have family time and all that and all was i wrong 
being in earnest, don't get that you are HR, you are legal, you are finance, you are sales, you're every department where you used to have the chance of relying on. And yeah. 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 So I've uh, worked in many startups as well as started a couple of my own. So I know exactly what you are uh, referring to. Uh, So standing uh, in today, right now we are in 2023. Can you share a bit more about uh, your vision? How do you see the future might be different or how do you want the future to be different for mobility and for what exactly what you are trying to do with your company? I'm a strong believer that uh, mobility represents something much larger in our minds and that is freedom. We appreciate the freedom of movement, freedom of mobility extremely high. It's something that hundreds of years ago, they could have dreamed that I can go just about anywhere, just like that on a whim, extremely easily. And this to me, we have to preserve. We have to be able to make sure that people get to go just like that to any any place they want to be. If we try to somehow over-engineer this, it's not going to work. So we have to create freedom. At the same time, the way that we now produce this freedom for people, that means giving people uh, or uh, people buying their own one-to-one single occupancy vehicles Mm -hmm. that are parked 96% of the time. It's just not sustainable. So what we'll have to come up with, how do we give people this feeling of freedom, this kind of dream of freedom, but can we do it somehow without the car ownership that has so much of trouble embedded inside? And for that, uh, um, there has to be some kind of a layer of service because nothing else out there compares with the freedom that the car can get. In order to do that, a kind of layer of mobility operator or some someone to fix it all has to happen. And this is where yeah. I see the future going to. Uh, the next phase of this will be that most likely for the industry, something similar like with finance happened. When you go and you want to buy a sofa, for example, that it says that you want to pay cash or do you want it with finance? Mm. And so there's embedded finance that you don't even know that comes inside. The same will happen in mobility. This kind of mass or mobility with all the different modes of transportation will start lurking into other apps, Mm. whether it's your retailer, rent provider, your insurance or such. And that will start coming in relatively soon, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And in the short term, in the next one to two years, what are some of your like most important priorities or like milestones on the way? I suppose before we can dream of all these things that the consumers want, you have to be able to make it extremely easy. It's pretty easy. If I ask you or go around and ask anyone, would you like to have anywhere you use it? Would you like to have access to all the mobility, meaning all the different e-scooters, taxis, car shares, car rentals, public transports, everything from just one click. And everybody says, yeah, of course. And the next question they will ask is, why on earth isn't it here yet? And to create this market where we can just make business decisions of, do you want to plug in the full mobility or not? is still far away, but it's not that far that it could not be done in a, within a couple of years. So I'd say this kind of enabling layer needs to happen before. And after that, we can start dreaming of all kinds of new types of packages, bundles, subscriptions, products. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, with the same question, what, why hasn't it happened yet? What are your biggest uh, struggles or pain points right now? Especially as an organization, you're trying to do that. 
So not just about the industry as a whole, but also for you as an organization, what are the biggest pain points or, or challenges on the way? I've been in this mobility industry pretty much all my life, somewhere lurking in the, in the surroundings of it or inside of it. And everybody within this industry is big. So let us assume that I, I am right in order for people to, to create the UX that they want, you need to be able to integrate everything. It's not good enough to have just Uber or just here or just Voyage or just uh, Deutsche Bahn or something like that. You need to really have it all extremely easily. If we believe that's what people would want and they want to get it however they feel. So that means that no one out there has all the ingredients to actually make the killer product. At the same time, every player within this industry is huge and they're used to me. I will control, it's my ecosystem, it's a Deutsche Bahn ecosystem or, or whoever it is, their ecosystem. And nobody's used to that. They're just a part of the solution, which means that instead of an actual ecosystem, it's a pretty big ecosystem. And mm -hmm. this is the one that's, that slows us down most of the time. Yes, there are technical issues that need to be resolved before you can get into this ease of APIs, just plugging into whatever you want without uh, having to make it into a big project. Yes, that's a big hindrance, but even a bigger one is that everybody wants to control this. Part mm -hmm. of it has to do that we're still reading the old books of platform economy, where everybody says, try to get into controlling position mm -hmm. of the whole thing. And it just yeah. doesn't work yeah. in mobility. So it's, we're going around circles of everybody trying to split the cake when we don't mm -hmm. even have the egg spot yet. That's the biggest, I would say, issue. So everybody thinks about their business and not many think about what the consumer really wants. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming like for your role as a CEO, a big part of that would be that outward facing uh, aspect of uh, talking to all of these different stakeholders, building alignment, getting them on board and dealing with all of these like vested interests or egos, as you said. Am I right? Yeah. And to be fair to people, it's not so much about egos. It's really hard. If the whole, whole system is about the chain, the, mm. the logics of how the offering happens, it, they happen relatively slow. This yeah. is the problem of this industry mm. is that everybody looks at it from within their sector and do not see that, Hey, if we broaden the, if we broaden the whole concept of what is the competitive landscape, then mm. it's hard to do. I'll, I'll, I'll tell an example. If I am a, a train provider or public transport provider in a, in a country, I might think that my competitor may be a taxi company or car rental or scooters or what have you, uh, where if you would consider that the, the actual competition is where 76% of the share of market go into, which is car ownership, you might start to look at the world in a different way. And okay, it is all of these combined to uh, against this type of market player out there. But this we don't see too much. And yes, uh, being the, the first mover in a market where you need the whole industry to change does take a lot of talking. I remember a long time ago talking to the guys who actually made the regulation for GSM. Yeah. It was quite a revelation. It happened, happened here in the Nordics. And the lawmaker and some of the big guys from Nokia back in the days, they said that, hey, are you ready to make at least 500 discussions and speeches? Because nothing will happen unless yeah. you're prepared to do that. I've yeah. given now more than 1,000 speeches and we're still on it. 
Yeah. So th- tell me a bit more about that, right? How do you handle that, uh, like from a leadership perspective? A lot of this is taking leadership even beyond your company, right? Uh, you are a leader of your company, no doubt, but this is you taking on a leadership point or leadership role and an informal role, right? Within many such players. So how has that been? What has been some of those lessons that you had to learn? Can you share a few stories maybe which were like, which, which were received well or maybe which humbled you like in this journey? I, I think the number one thing that I give, I'm an advisor to quite a number of startups and other type of companies is, and this was the thing that actually started the whole concept of Moss. It wasn't scenarios of business or such things. It's uh, yeah. simple. It's user case. Uh, so if you're humble enough to do something that for many within the industry sounds like a trivial thing and really um, make an advertisement of the user case. So this is what the user really gets. And if that is appealing, the rest will start following. I know how the concept of mass mobility as a service was born. And I can tell you that there are no evil conspiracies or much of lobbying there. It's just people get excited. And if I think about how did that happen, it happened by showing that, hey, wouldn't you like to have a subscription of mobility where you can, you can go into New York Metro just like Mm -hmm. that. You can taxi, you can take anything you want without any hassle whatsoever. And people are like, yeah, well, that sounds like something. And yeah, this is definitely going to be the future. User case is definitely the thing that's often, often forgotten when you, you start going into your business case and your business logics and such, mm-hmm. and forget about that this is exactly what the user wants. And I keep on repeating that for, for also within our company. And I have to say that I've made mistakes for getting that and trying to get to the business logic way too much and forgetting what was really the core, why people get excited about these things. Hmm. Even if you're doing B2B, the user case is a powerful and I would say the most valuable tool. Yeah. Yeah. So balancing that to your responsibility for your company, for your like growth or whatever metrics while like taking on a bigger perspective. On what are we here for actually? What kind of leadership do you think is required either from you or from those other stakeholders to be able to make that shift and make that shift in a balanced, in a sustainable way? I think, of course, depending on a company where you are, but oftentimes there's few things that as a leader, you should show the people that what's the star, what's the vision, what are, what is the big hairy goal that we're going after so that they know that, okay, this is worth actually fighting for. This is what we're going to, but then comes the harder part. And this is okay because this is probably not something you can achieve tomorrow. So what is the next step? What do we focus? What do we concentrate on? And there, I have to say that for that part, I have failed quite a number of times. Because if you take on big goals, it's easy to say so many things that are important, but showing that, no, let's just focus on this thing now, then we move on to that one. Kind of understanding the balance of what can be achieved, for example, in the next quarter, the, the realism behind that and leading towards that one to make it also comfortable that they know where the big goal is, but they can feel comfortable that, okay, hey, we don't have to do everything today. This is the next step and it will definitely lead us towards that. Yeah, yeah. And do you think this something like this is also required like on a, like a wider scale, maybe like a strategy group or something where all leaders like yourself of different uh, like public and private uh, organizations come together 
to align themselves once again with the long-term bigger picture, but then also keep their focus on what's the next year, what's the next six months for each of their individual companies or like organizations. Yes. And I, I work with also much larger companies and all of them. And I, it, it tends to boil down to this. You need to show that, okay, what's, what, where are we heading on a, let's say, longer perspective. And then to have the, have the patience to say that, guys, I know what is needed for the next months. And it's to mm. focus on this one. This is something that we just simply, we cannot, we cannot miss. And being smart enough to make the kind of short goals so that they are, they're not too easy. Yeah. Uh, so that you don't let everyone go too easily, but also so that they are, they're mm. not way, way out there. Yeah. And what kind of skills or strengths that you need to demonstrate to actually create that kind of collaboration or that kind of a discussion or regular discussion among these players so that the vision actually is not compromised or not sacrificed? Yeah. And I suppose this is about having a, having a healthy, good discussions with everyone that's around you, that, that are with you mm -hmm. on this type of journey is to see that, okay, what could be achieved out of these and what are the most vital ones that will lead us towards in the next coming months. And also understanding the capacity of your organization. What can you, what can you push them to? Where can you really make them so that in, in three months, we thought that it was really hard what we did, but we achieved it. And yes, we feel good. And what are we doing as next was? But then, of course, especially in, in startups where you're doing completely disruptive things, where, for example, we're creating a completely new product category, it doesn't happen always like that. Hmm. It's yeah. very likely that every now and then you did not get yeah. to points where you wanted. And this is probably much harder part of the leadership is to say that, okay, so what do we do next? How do we mm. keep them still when we all yeah. still fail? Yeah. And I, I imagine that must not be easy, right? So how do you manage the pressure or the stress when you are faced with a surprise or a disappointment or something you're wanting to go one way, but it moves another way? How do you manage that for yourself so that you can, once again, like tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, you can again step up as a leader and not be like pressurized or stressed. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you're the leader, you can't try to put your own pressure to others. You have to suffer. Come on, you took the job, so <laughs> suffer the consequences. And when it's bad time, don't come moaning about what your stress or someone is. You're there to help the others to cope with the stress and, and perform as, as, as good as others. So that's, you must have some other places for ventilation. Hopefully there's a good chairman of the board or, or whoever it is, but do not try to mitigate that to your team. That's not going to happen. Or I don't believe in that at all. The thing is that, okay, then it's time to analyze what, what's gone. What can we learn out of this? What, what can be done so that we get into a, a better place next time? analyze what went wrong, but also analyze where did we actually, where did we go good? One of the hardest parts when you don't have a comparison, when you're really building something new is that you don't know if your goals were overly hard or were they too easy. And yeah. uh, hard is also, how do you keep people really pushing themselves to the limit mm -hmm. or, uh, and not 
try to just make easy goals for themselves. Mm. And, and this takes some doing and maybe a kind of sense of where are we in, in the right edge. Yes, yes. And like often leadership is not just an outer journey of the results, but also an internal journey of growing up as human beings and being able to deal with these different kind of challenges or circumstances. So what sort of things do you do, not just for yourself, but also for your team, right? Also for the key people in your organization to help them become leaders in their own right and also build that as a culture. And rather than everything coming top down from you, how can like people really start showing up as a team? So what do you do like on a very specific uh, basis to create that organization which will lead, lead the future? I think that the number one thing for that is, is definitely trust. If you're the leader, you chose everyone that is with, with you in that team. Or even if you didn't, you actually did. Because every day you choose that these are the ones that you trust. And you need to show them also that you trust, trust the decision, but also trust them that they are, they are doing their best. I tend to be such that I do not want to control too much. But at the same time, I expect a lot from these people. Mm. Uh, that things just happen sometimes even overly much. So yeah. this is putting a lot of trust when there's trust, there's responsibility as well for achieving, for getting things done. And I suppose this starts from going quite early on and all the time, a discussion of how is your style? I'm not saying that my style, for example, is the right for every, every setup or such, but mm. the important part is to really explain how I do this and I've gone wrong. There are really good people that demand a much more explicit job description, much more explicit goal settings and such. And, and it's important to go through that. You're not going to get that from me. Hmm. I expect you to be extremely active yourself and come with proposals to do these things. And it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So having that, I think flexibility to deal with person to person and at the same time having your own standards like you said you demand a lot or you expect a lot and then keeping that balance especially as you grow your own team so thank you for sharing all of that i think that's an exciting journey as i said that leadership is almost uh, a never-ending journey but as we also try to wrap up maybe a little bit more uh, about you as a person can you share something uh, about yourself which most people that you work with are not aware of I'm a father of four. I don't hide that too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think that it's a big secret. I like to read crime stories. That's probably not something mm -hmm. that, that, that too many know of. My big dream is to do cross-country skiing in Lapland. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you say dream, right? Do you have plans or do you like still do skiing or are you building up towards that? Oh yeah, I tried to do that whenever possible, especially mm. on, the, on the cross country side. That's the thing. Of course, the dream, if you are running a disruptive startup, you have to have a dream that is not just money. There has yeah. to be a, a thing of leaving kind of something that my kids always complain that I, I'm not enough available. I'm traveling or I'm working late is that they could say that, okay, it was all worth not being present as much as you could. So. It's something that actually left a good mark. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a wonderful metaphor for what we are trying to do often as leaders. And it's so easy to get infatuated by the business results or the money. But in the end, it's about 
creating something which is not going to happen on its own. And as we end this, right, that's something which I think I want to applaud you for. And I want to wish you all the best for the journey that lies ahead. And before we end, for anybody who is listening, what is the best way for them to reach out or to find out more about what you're doing? I suppose you go into wemap.com and see what ha- what's, what, what's cooking there. Perfect. Thank you, Sampo, for sharing your story, sharing what you're up to. And I will make sure to include the link of the app uh, with the show notes. Uh, and I wish you all the best uh, for the future. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.